I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Central Stadium, an iconic sporting venue. As part of a major fundraising drive, My Stadium Seat is offering you the chance to place your name or the name of someone who loves GAA on a seat at the Field of Legends. Packages from €100 Euro include seat naming plaques, certs of authenticity, online biographies and open day tickets. Show your support or make someone's Christmas. Visit mystadiumseat.com. Sample Stadium, where every name matters. Oh, you're very welcome along to the Premier Review Tipperary GA podcast. Uh, my name is Thomas Conway. I'm a new contributor, but I'm happy to join the party. And more importantly, with me this evening, it's Tuesday, January 11th. With me is m- multiple Ireland winning uh, Tipperary hurler, uh, former Nina County title winning captain Connor O'Donovan. Connor, you're very welcome along. Thanks very much, Thomas. Thank you very much for having me on board. Yeah, now, obviously, you have a very accomplished career in the game, but specifically the issue we want to address here tonight, you've raised it in the media in recent years, and that is the rule of the hand pass. Uh, can you just explain to people uh, your arguments, why you, what you think, uh, the issues you think which the hand pass is creating, and the proposed rule change which you're advocating for? Right, well... If you like, uh, Thomas, even to go back as far as 2008, I was watching an All-Ireland Camogie final, junior Camogie final on the television. And uh, one of the teams, it was Clare, scored a goal late on in the game. And by way of the player was standing virtually on the goal line. And to me, it looked like they threw the ball into the net, but it's obviously deemed a hand pass. But to my reckoning at the time, I thought that looked like a throw. And the, so the goal was allowed. 
Now, I actually raised it, believe it or not, at that time, a few weeks later, with um, a senior official in Crow Park. Uh, I highlighted it as a possible issue going forward and maybe and asked if uh, maybe the Hurling Development Committee at the time might maybe have a look at it because I put forward at the time a, a possible solution to this problem. And there was a bit of toing and froing with this senior official in Crow Park and uh, he assured me that the Hurling Development Committee would consider my proposal, but look, nothing ever came of it. Uh, roll on a few years then, around 2017, I began to notice that there was a bit more and more what I looked like uh, throwing of the ball going on in terms of, if you like, an illegal hand pass and yeah. wasn't really being penalised by the referees. So as a result of it not being penalised, I felt it was starting to creep into the game more and more. So I had a look at the um, the, the, the rules, uh, the technical playing rules of the hand pass, um, mm. we'll say in the GS technical rule, parting rule book. Yeah. And there are two rules, if you like, governing the hand pass that will state that it's a foul. And one is rule 4.2a. And it states that it's a foul to throw the ball. And rule 4.2b states it is a foul to hand pass the ball without it being released and struck with a definite striking action of the hand. Yeah. And um, I began to notice that more and more players were actually, they, they were offloading the ball from the same hand that the ball was in. Uh, and uh, to me, there wasn't a clear striking action happening. So that was in, in, in effect, that was a throw. So it was in contravention of both these rules. And so in other words, you feel it was damaging the integrity of the game, basically. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's, it's damaging, first of all, um, the integrity of the rules of the game, right? Mm. Um, because the rules state it's a foul, basically, to throw the ball. So obviously somebody along the way, somebody I, I would imagine in a, in a coaching uh, position, uh, identified, if you like, the potential weakness of these two rules and how they could be exploited to good effect by players and teams accordingly. Uh, that you know, obviously it's quicker way, you know, to offload the ball by way of throwing it than to engage in a clear striking action with the hand. So are you suggesting teams are are willfully exploiting the rule that they're they're setting out to to throw the ball, so to speak, or or make a very subtle motion? Uh, I, th I think the fact that it's happening more and more often, um, Thomas, and players or teams are getting away with it, they recognise that they're getting away with it. Uh, I think it's fair to say they are doing it deliberately at this stage. Now, I, I, and, and I, if like uh, an example, an example of this really is I've been speaking with uh, some coaches uh, of underage players over the past while. I've been speaking to a number of coaches. And they've been trying to stress to their players, they're under sixes, they're under eights, they're under tens, that it's a foul to throw the ball, right? And the message they're getting back from those players is, well, hold on, sure, all the top players are actually throwing it and getting away with it, all right? So now yeah. those, those coaches are caught in a tricky situation. They're, they're, they're now, if you like, in a conflicted 
uh, they are conflicted. Do they encourage their players to throw the ball or do they stress on them to continue to try and hand pass the ball properly? And, and if they do that, continue to stress to them to continue to hand pass the ball properly, they're actually putting their t- players and their teams at a competitive disadvantage. Okay. Right? So, that, you know, that's an issue then going forward. We can come back to that shortly. We'll come back to that shortly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, obviously there are developmental issues there, but I'm just wondering how prevalent do you feel it is? Do you feel that this is just, has become a common feature of inter-county hurling or is it prevalent in club hurling as well? It is prevalent at inter-county, uh, inter-county hurling at all levels, Thomas, is prevalent at uh, club hurling at all levels and is prevalent, uh, I hear anecdotally, in schools and colleges hurling. Huh. Right. So, you know, it and unfortunately, it is quite obvious that the rules as they currently are, are unenforceable by the referees. They are clearly unenforceable. Uh, a case in point would be where you have a player in possession of the ball and you have you have other players positioned between that player and the referee. So the referee's view of how the player in possession of the ball has offloaded the ball from the hand is obstructed. So how can he tell uh, if that ball was hand-passed, we'll say, legally or illegally? So he has to basically make a guess on it. And in, in that instance, it's like as if he's officiating the game blindfolded. And, and another, another example of where the referees are, if you like, uh, unable to see how the ball was offloaded is, is if the player in possession of the ball um, has his back to the referee. So now the referee's view of the ball in the player's hand is clearly obstructed as well. So he can't tell how the ball has been offloaded by that, by that, by that player, how it has been hand-passed. Has it been done legally or illegally? So the referee has to make a guess then, effectively, and sometimes he'll guess it rightly, sometimes he'll get, get, guess it wrongly. Now, I do think that that is unfair on the referees, but also unfair on the players, that you have that situation where the referee has to guess whether the ball has been hand-passed legally or illegally. Right. So yeah. That's, yeah. Th- that's why I started giving this issue some thought. Um, and I, I, I tried to figure out, would there be a way to uh, rectify this manner or th- 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 this problem in a manner that was fair and, and, and easy to implement? Hmm. And so I then, if I like devise, or came up with, a, with the wording of a rule, now, so like upon discussing this issue with different people, some people would have been saying to me, look, the best thing to do is to ban the hand pass altogether. Okay, but you're right? not for that. Uh, I think that's a bit extreme. I don't think it's necessary. Okay. All I, I, I've come up with a, a proposed solution that will just, if you like, ban one aspect of the hand pass, one, one aspect of the hand pass options that exist. And that would be, uh, and I'll give you the wording, that, which I presented to Crow Park last August. All right. The wording that is that he will state that it is a foul to either hand pass the ball or palm the ball directly from the same hand that is holding the ball. Right. Okay. So. Now, yeah, yeah and yeah. and you have you have in fairness provided visuals, a video footage, which is quite helpful. We'll put it up 
I hope with the podcast, just demonstrating uh, yes. the rule which, which you've outlined. But yeah, no, proceed. Um, right. So I am not then, I'm not then uh, saying to ban the hand pass altogether. What I'm saying is it's simply a foul to either hand pass the ball or pan the ball directly from the same hand that is holding the ball. Now, how players adapt to that rule then after that is up to themselves, all right? Uh, some people seem to be, you know, of concern or, or, or kind of interpreting that I'm saying that they have to hand pass the ball with the other hand. That's mm. not the case. There are other options available to players to do that. But if they want to hand pass the ball from the other hand, as the video clips I forwarded to you have demonstrated, it's quite simple to do. When you're looking at it, if you like uh, engaging in a two-handed hand pass of the ball, it's simply a case of transferring the hurley from the hand that they is already holding the hurley over to the other hand. And mm. it's quite simple to do. And that's, a, that's one skill, hand pass skill that would still remain, along with multiple other hand passing skills. But we're seeing fewer amounts of those these times, um, Thomas, being executed because players are by and large now, you know, hand passing the ball from the same hand that the ball is in, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and lead, leading to it quite often being in trouble. Yeah, and you've obviously invested a lot of thought into it. And, and you know, they are very interesting proposals. What strikes me, I guess, and I think what will, uh, what a lot of people will be thinking is, you know, is this an inevitable consequence of the, the tempo of the modern game? The, fa the fact that things have just become so fast and furious out there that it, like a, a, a change such as this could, could damage that factor, you know, could slow down the game, uh, if not intentionally. How, how would you respond to that? I could say possibly one or two things there, Thomas, right? Uh, first of all, as things stand the way the game is actually being played now, with it being hand-passed so much, the tempo of the game has actually slowed down. Okay. Believe it or not, the tempo of the game has actually slowed down. Because right. um, it's a, now, a short passing game, essentially, is that it? That's it. And the ball is effectively, it's not been struck by the hand. Okay, we'll say prior to the throwing of the ball becoming more and more commonplace, Generally, when a player got the ball, he looked to strike it with the hurry and move it on straight away. Central Stadium, an iconic sporting venue. As part of a major fundraising drive, My Stadium Seat is offering you the chance to place your name or the name of someone who loves GAA on a seat at the Field of Legends. Packages from 100 Euro include seat naming plaques, certs of authenticity, online biographies, and open day tickets. Show your support or make someone's Christmas. Visit mystadiumseat.com. Sample Stadium, where every name matters. Connor, I have to say, you're slowly winning me around your argument, but let's let's pick up where we left off. The question of rooks and, and malise in the game and, and the impact which the hand pass is having on that. What are your thoughts on that specifically? Yeah, specifically, I do believe the, if you like, the illegal hand pass now um, or if you like, the hand pass from the same hand that the ball is in is contributing quite significantly to the formation of these rocks, as we call them, in hurling now. Um, because if you like, what's the primary goal of players these days is to secure possession of the ball. Now, if the ball is on the ground 
uh, and the player who's first to the ball, what he's doing now, he's standing when he gets there and ro roll lifting it, or at least attempting to roll lift it. And in, you know, in standing and pausing for that moment, it's allowing other players to come in and tackle him and like prevent the ball from being lifted into that player's hand. And more and more players pile in onto it and they're all then trying to roll lift the ball. Okay, and, and it's, if you like, then you have all this, this cluster of players there and the whole team becomes a rook. Now, what's happening there as well is it's, it's contributing to the pace or if you like the tempo of the game slowing down. Okay. Now, if, if you like the rule that I'm proposing to be introduced um, was introduced, I would see a, a significant reduction, if not a complete elimination of these rooks. Because then, if you like, the, the focus then of the player who's running to the ball on the ground will be to jab lift it on the run and stay moving with it. All right. Because the, if you like, the option won't be there so much anymore. Uh, if, he was, if he was to get the stand, uh, be standing there and get the ball into his hand, um, the option to throw it out to, mm. if you like, a teammate mm. won't be there. All right, because of the cluster of players, whereas now the focus then will be on to stay moving with the ball when he jab lifts it, jab, jab lifts it on the run and stays moving. Okay, it's an interesting point. I can see what you mean, and I suppose it's important to state again that you know we're, you're you're not proposing uh, outlawing the hand pass. There still will be an option there to to hand pass the ball. It's just the technique or the motion will be will be different. Well, you see, there are. You know, there, there, there's plenty of other hand-passing options in the game, Thomas. There's over six uh, hand-passing options, maybe up to eight, as it is in the game, all right? Mm -hmm. So all I'm proposing is that one element of that, that those hand-passing options be made illegal, or if you like, to be made a foul. And in doing so, in order to help the referees be able to determine if a foul was committed or not. Because for the reason I outlined earlier, uh, their, their view of the player in possession of the ball is sometimes obstructive or their view of the ball in the player's hand is also obstructive. And they, they have to engage in guesswork to decide if the ball was hand-passed legally or illegally. Okay, so, so what I'm doing is I'm making it easy for the referees to adjudicate on oh. this issue. Okay, right. take your points. Yeah, take your points. I'm now, just thinking though. Yeah, yes. okay. Go on, you go on. Well, well, I was going to say as well, uh, I, I do believe it's also a significant contributor to a lot of fouling in the game at the moment. Mm. Uh, when a player gets the ball into his hand now, uh, there's a, a strong tendency to take on an opponent, all right, to run into the tackle mm. in the hope of engineering a free, all right? So if perchance the referee doesn't award him a free, or if he can't break clear of the tackle, all is not lost because he can still just offload the ball to a teammate who's running in support. All right. And that's an area then, if you like, that uh, has, if you like, has been impacted by the illegal hand pass. Okay. And, okay. and what, I'm what I'm proposing now is that if the, my rule was introduced, I think players in possession of the ball would now think twice of running into the tackle because it will be much more difficult for them to offload the ball if they're tackled and they're not being awarded a free by the referee. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Yeah, I, I can see your point of view. I, I think I think what a lot of people might fear, a lot of people listening, 
um, they might sense, would there be a danger that you could unintentionally eliminate the hand pass from the game? I mean, you know, even though it may still be legal, but the fact that it is, it is maybe more difficult to um, uh, to pull off that it would lead to an elimination. I, I'm thinking of, off the top of my head, I, I, I'll pick what, Noel McGrath in the All-Ireland final back in 2010, he played Larry Corbett in with, you know, this beautiful hand pass, kind of mm-hmm. turn around. Keen Lynch, you know, a lot of his play revolves around quick hands and that. It, it, people will probably be wary of that threat, but you don't think that will happen. You... You think without without introducing this rule, the game will will continue to slow down. The rocks will continue to deteriorate, and your rule will will uh, will amend that or will rectify that. Well, okay. The two areas I've spoken about there, the rocks and the running into the tackle. Okay, they become if you like byproducts of the illegal hand pass. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the fundamental issue here is this. Players are now throwing the ball, okay, which is a foul. And the reason they're throwing the ball is because they're offloading it from the same hand that the ball is in. And you use the term there, quick hands. Quick hands are fine, Thomas, but if you're throwing the ball, that's a foul. Mm -hmm. It it might be quick, but it's a foul. End of. Okay, so it should be a free. So referees are being asked in a lot of instances to guess whether the ball was thrown of whether it was properly hand-passed, all right? And, in, and, and having to guess is unfair on referees, as I've said already. It's also unfair on the players. That should not be the case. It, the, the, you know, the rules should be clear-cut and they should be enforceable. Okay. And the, current, the current rules of, in relation to hand-passing are unenforceable, regardless okay. of what anyone says. And the word I'm getting from Crow Park is that Central Council will be writing to all the hurling counties this year to tell them that uh, the officiating uh, referees in games will be encouraged strongly to enforce the rules, the hand pass rule uh, for the coming year. Now, you know, I'm a small bit dismayed at that because that in effect uh, means that it's just going to be a continuation of the same. Now, in 2019, I appeared on RTE 61 News, raising the hand pass issue. Mm. Also, also on that segment was Willie Barrett from Tipperary, who then was the referees hurling De- Re- development committee um, chairman, okay. and. Willie was asked about the problem with the hand pass in the game. And he said that they, they, the, the committee, the referees development committee were encouraging all referees to start being more vigilant on this issue. Right. Okay, so now back in 2019, the GAA decided that they would, you know, try and take firmer or sterner action on the illegal hand pass. But what has happened? Nothing improved in 2019, nothing improved in 2020, and nothing improved in 2021. In fact, everything, the whole thing has just deteriorated. So, as I say, I'm a bit dismayed to hear that the GA are basically looking to continue 
with the way things are, um, rather than take decisive action on trying to fix this problem. Right. So cl clearly, you're quite frustrated with with the central central authorities. Really, is that fair to say? Uh, I'd be disappointed um, about that, Thomas. No. So I have written to Crow Park and asked them to, if you like, to ask the Central Council to reconsider their decision and to give my proposed solution more serious consideration with a view to putting it forward to Congress for it to be voted on. Now, I haven't got any feedback from Crow Park as of yet, but uh, I think it is just illogical for the GA just to continue to do the same thing and expect you know, to achieve different results when the last three years have shown that's not possible. Right. And I sense, I sense from chance you off air that, that one of the most important aspects of this to you, and I think in fairness, a lot of people will share this view, is the question of, of underage players and the development of players that if something isn't done quickly here, uh, it will lead to the rule being abused by uh, you know, youngsters coming up and through the ranks. Th that is particularly important. Well, that's that, that, that's a major issue going forward, Thomas. Like as thing as things stand now, the young hurlers who are, as you say, the future of the game, they are receiving mixed messages about the hand past, both verbally and visually. Mm. Verbally, and if you like, rightly so, their coaches are telling them it is a foul to throw the ball. Mm. However, visually, they're seeing all the adult players in particular, and also those at inter-county level, and particularly the games that they see on television, they're seeing them throwing the ball the whole time and they're not being penalized. So straight away, they're receiving mixed messages. All right. And like, so it's like this, whatever happens in inter-county games will be copied by hurlers in club and college games. It is called imitation. It is how most skills are learned and adopted. The child imitates the star, the young adult imitates the star. The stars make the skills look cool and trendy. And right now, they're getting away with throwing the ball, and that looks cool and trendy to the youngsters, regrettably. Okay. So I think, I think it is in, seriously incumbent on the GEA as a national sporting organization to address this issue and resolve it decisively. You can't have an organization the size of the GAA uh, allowing mixed messages to be communicated down to all the ranks and down to the under, you know, to the very underage, down to players under six. You can't have that, allow that to continue. Okay, well, whatever about the GAA at administrative level, have you sensed, do you get a sense anecdotally that there is a desire to change this rule from speaking to players, managers, even you know, coaches at younger age teams in particular, is the desire there to implement such a, a rule change? Because it would, it is pretty fundamental. Uh, you know, the hand pass has been a, a feature of the game for forever, really. So th this is a fundamental rule change. Yes, it is. But once again, it's it, you, you know, it's a small rule change that would have a huge beneficial effect. Right now, um, during last year, I spoke to 
a number of former hurlers. Just let me say, I did not speak with any current players nor any current coaches or managers because that would be unfair to them to put them in an awkward position. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so because you could, they couldn't be seen to say, yeah, the hand passing or the throwing of the ball is a problem, because then that would mean that their players and their teams would have to be curtailing it, which would be putting them as a, a disadvantage, competitive disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I spoke with a lot of genuine hurling supporters, but I also spoke with a number of former intercounty hurlers who are not involved with any teams. All right, I'll give you some examples. Uh, Eddie Care of Kilkenny. Um, Noel Lane of Galway, Justin McCarthy from Cork, Michael okay. Cleary and Declan Carr from Tipperary, Joachim Kelly from uh, Offaly, Desi Donnelly from Antrim, Peter Murphy from Galway. These are all former inter-county hurlers. They won all Ireland medals. They received All-Stars. There's even a couple of All-Ireland winning captains there among them. And all of them signed a petition in support of my proposed solution to this problem. And that's I, and when I re- uh, reached a target of, I set myself a target of 100 signatures. And once I got 100 signatures, I delivered it to Crow Park. I delivered my proposal along with the petition of support signed by all these people. Okay. All right. Because they are very much in favor of two things. They see the, hand, the, the throwing of the ball as a problem, but they also see my proposed solution as a viable solution. Okay, yeah, and they're, you know, all big names, no more than yourself. I suppose, and in fairness to you, you've addressed this in, in other interviews. People are going to be inclined to say, well, and, and forgive me now, I'm, you know, this is just a yeah. bunch of, this is just a bunch of old lads, you know, they, they want the game like it was in their day. Th- that's the argument that I'm sure has been leveled at you. So how, how would you respond to, to people who make that critique? Well, first and foremost, let me just say that they weren't the only people who signed that petition. A lot of just, you know, general hurling supporters, people who may, may, may never have really played the game, uh, but like watching it. And they despair at seeing the ball being thrown in hurling now, right? Mm-hmm. They see, despair at seeing it being thrown and also not being penalized by the referees, all right? Mm-hmm. So if a foul is being committed, it doesn't make any difference whether, you know, the, it's people who are retired from the game who are calling it, or whether it's the genuine supporters. If a foul has been committed and it's not been penalised, the problem has to be fixed. Okay. okay. End of story. The problem has to be fixed. It just can't be left. I put it like this. It, for me, and a lot of people, okay, it is a constant distraction which takes from the enjoyment of watching a game of hurling being played now. That's what it is. It's a constant distraction. And not just for me, but hurling followers all over the place. Okay. Well, well, you mentioned that you didn't expect change to come this year. Certainly there has been no indication that there will be change. Looking towards the future, I mean, do you see a prospect uh, that, you know, that your campaign will will be listened to or will be uh, will be adopted? by the central authorities. Can you see that happening? Or, you know, is your position um, a grim one at present? At this point in time, I I retain a little bit of hope that the GA might take on board my solution, my proposed solution this year and have it submitted to Congress to be voted on. If not, 
we're going to have a continue a continuation of the same this coming year in in in, in you know in the hurling scene. Uh, but I will continue to endeavour to build more support for my proposed solution and endeavour to have it submitted in due, you know, in subsequent uh, or to subsequent congresses down along the line. Because the situation as it is, uh, Thomas, is unsustainable. You, you know, you just can't let the throwing of the ball continue indefinitely. And it would be very irresponsible of the GAA to do so. Uh, so inevitably, a change will come. Inevitably. Now, as you say, I can't say whether it'll be this year, next year, the year after, but inevitably a, a, a change will come because the amount of people um, who are becoming more and more aware and conscious of it, of this, uh, you know, rule infraction, as they call it, mm. uh, is growing. Okay. And they're starting to make their voices and their feelings known about it. Okay. So I, I just can't see how the GA can continue to ignore it indefinitely. Well, look, Connor, it's been a fascinating discussion. I, I have to say, I'll be honest, I was sceptical coming into it. You've sort of won me round. Um, you know, I don't know what others will think, but we look forward to hearing uh, to hearing their feedback. But it certainly is a, a fascinating topic. And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on uh, and chatting to us here. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much, Thomas, for having me on your show. And um, uh, maybe we might speak again in the future. Uh, so all the best for now. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for being deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 